Hey guys, and welcome to Overtly Casual, the podcast hosted by myself, Dak, and my brother, Tyler. What's up, Ty? Not much. Just sitting here in the storage closet, waiting on you to get situated so we could get this show on the road for the first time in what, like two months now? Yeah, man. It's been a while, two months. Um, and uh, yeah, so you're filming or recording from your storage closet in your new home, right? Uh, so a lot has happened guys over the last two months, I, uh, took and turned down two job offers in the, in the span of two months. One of it, one of which would have required me to stop doing this podcast. And then my brother, Tyler, he was, he was moving around. He, uh, moved about two hours North of where he was. Now he's in the, the capital of beautiful West Virginia. But yeah, man, how do you like it up there? I love it, man. Uh, it's kind of like, the rest of West Virginia, but like the best parts and the worst parts are like all pushed into bad neighborhoods and things like that. But most of the areas here are like the best parts of West Virginia. So like nature is integrated to this uh, with the city. There's really good food, craft beer. It seems like the community is really in tune with like getting better, things like that. So yeah, it's completely different than living in Southern West Virginia. Not a knock on Southern West Virginia, but I've enjoyed it so far. Yeah, there's a jits gym, a jujitsu gym, uh, right by your house, isn't there? Yeah, it's less than a mile, so my fat ass has no excuse to not to get down there and train now. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to get started on that here in the next month after I get used to my routine with my job and stuff. Yeah, dude. And uh, from my end, obviously, you've been in the loop, but to bring the Ocash mob, again, don't forget, you guys are the Ocash mob. Uh, to bring the Ocash mob into the loop, I am, uh, instead of separating from the military and taking a job offer in California, I am now going to be attending university in Virginia studying anthropology. So, uh, <clears throat> big change of scenery, big change of plans, but I had a little bit of a quarter life crisis and said, you know what? Uh, it was while I had uh, my wife and my son, we were at an archeological dig site that's really close to where I live. And it was a, on April 6th, the day after my birthday. And I, I don't know, I just did some soul searching and I was like, you know what? This ain't what I want to do. I want to go study at university. Luckily it's for free. I know you just graduated college. Um, so any tips or advice for me as I start? Yeah, for sure. So I'm super excited that you chose to go to college, not university, because that's what they say across the pond. But I'm super excited for you to go to college. Uh, but and the story that you told was super sweet, makes you feel good. It's almost like a movie. But I think what actually happened is that you surprised me on my graduation and you saw your little brother gain distinction that you you must achieve. You, you must get that accolade before you move on to the next step Bruh. of your life. So, I'm yeah, going to definitely. Oh, 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 quick plug. Uh, go check out the YouTube video of Dak surprising me at my graduation. It was epic. Uh, on a serious note, that was one of the best moments and weekends of my life, graduating college, which was a, a huge milestone for me. Um, I don't know many people who can say from uh, where we came from that they graduated college, not the city of Princeton or anything like that, because plenty of people graduate, but uh, where we originally grew up. So, yeah, it was a huge accomplishment for me and Dak and our family and everyone who was there with me throughout the process. And I'm excited to see him embarking on the same journey, not only academically, but throughout like his social life and things like that and being involved with uh these people that are really dedicated and they're just dedicated to just getting better every day and again i, I want to reiterate that people do that in other walks of life and uh, although i did graduate i'm a huge advocate of learning outside of school as well um i'm sure that you've learned a ton that i didn't learn outside of school and done similar coursework and things like that but uh that environment's super exciting and i'm glad that you're going to get introduced to it yeah, dude, I was really, um, you know, calling back to that YouTube video and, and surprising you. I was I was surprised that I surprised you. I thought that mom or 
like our sister or somebody, they were going to spill the beans. But uh, were you legitimately surprised? It, I know you cried a little bit. It's yeah. caught on video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I guess you have that to hold against me. But yeah, I was definitely surprised. So I was actually at my uh, former boss's house, Steve Meadows. I say former boss because I, I left my job after I graduated. Um, he was hosting like a graduation party for myself and other graduating seniors in my fraternity. And my mom called me and she's like, uh, she's like, hey, come over. Charlie, Charlie, who's my stepdad, needs your help with something. And I was like, yeah, really? Like, they don't typically ask me for help, but I had to drive like 45 minutes. And I'm like, oh, really? Like, you need my help? What the heck? But I knew that she was giving me a gift because I was graduating the next day. I was like, eh, this is too fishy. She's giving me a gift. So I'm on the ride over there and I'm talking uh, with someone and I'm like, yeah, uh, I know that she got me a bike or I know she got me a kayak or something stupid that I had mentioned because like my mom may pick up on something uh, in passing and, and go and get it for me as a gift. And I was like, oh, man. And then we pulled up and I had had this really weird feeling all week because like I had like some like weird resentment going on, I guess, like uh, that douchebags not coming in for my graduation like what an accomplishment right but um and I can't really say much because I missed his but uh we're coming back to the house and we pull up to mom's house and I see a like hatchback a silver hatchback in the driveway and that's what my grandma drives and I was like that's for sure her until I got close to it and my mom had texted me and been like, hey, your mama's in the driveway, like, just park over there, whatever. And I see it, and I'm like, no, mama drives a Chevy Cruze because that's the same vehicle that I have. And I noticed it at a funeral that we recently went to. And I was like, huh, yeah. So I, I noticed the make and model of the car, which I think is really weird. And I would have typically not noticed maker models because I don't pay attention to cars or any shit like that. But it was the same car as mine. But... I was like, okay, that's kind of fishy. Is my brother here? And then I walk up to the porch and I see uh, one of my stepdad's workers just sitting on the porch. And I'm like, ah, someone's coming to pick him up. That's their car, whatever. And I, I look through the window and I see my mom, my dad, my stepdad, uh, my just my whole family like gathered in there. I was like, oh, this is weird. They must have got me something really big and popped in. And the coyo popped out, as you can see in the video. But yeah, totally threw me threw me off and by surprise. Mom ruined it on multiple occasions, but I guess I'm just oblivious. And I thought that she was going to give me like uh, a crappy gift. But full disclosure, she gave me some awesome gifts, and one of them was getting a CDAC that afternoon and for my graduation. Yeah, dude, that was. Uh, I don't think I've ever. So I'm not big on the military surprises. You know, uh, I deployed to Africa, deployed to Afghanistan, and on both occasions, I think I just came home and uh, came back to New Mexico, and I, I've never surprised anybody with my presence. So that was just something that, you know, super, I don't know, it's one of those, like, if you're listening to this and you're in the military and you get the opportunity, you have that perfect opportunity don't do it for the cliche. Don't do it for the, for the video. Don't do it for anything like that, but just like a true opportunity to surprise someone who is legitimately graceful or, or thankful rather for your presence. That was one of the coolest things ever, because a lot of times in our life, and this happens to everyone and it happens to me, it happens to you. It happens to all of us. We feel insignificant, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe our job is bearing on us. Maybe our life is bearing on us. Maybe our relationship isn't the best, but truly in that moment, I felt so significant that I was able to, to like surprise you, not to like suck your dick or anything, but. Oh yeah. yeah. It was powerful stuff, dude. It was uh, like, I told you, I texted you uh, after you flew out. That was like top five coolest things, best things that's ever happened because uh, something just didn't really feel right when I was about to graduate. And I guess that was it because everything came together. It was really great. I made the smooth transition to move up here to South Charleston. Um, and I start my job tomorrow. So here in the next like 11 hours, I will be uh, working as an operations manager for United Bank. So I'm super stoked to do that. Everything came together how it was supposed to. It was like the universe just fell into order. It was pretty awesome.
Yeah, I'm still riding the high from it. A week later, and I, I went back to work. I came back to New Mexico. I went back, and everything was just dope, dude. You know, like I got um, <clears throat> a couple days before I flew out to see you, I'd gotten approval for early separation from the military, and <clears throat> they knocked 90 days off of my enlistment, which 90 days compared to the six years that I've been in, it doesn't sound like a lot. It's like, dude, you've served multiple 90 days in a row yada 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 you know in some occasions spending 90 days in a row working 12 hours a day 12 14 hours a day um seven days a week non-stop and then you know hopping on a plane and coming home but that 90 days in that last final stretch feels so long but after you know flying home seeing you guys i'm going to be really close to y'all um our folks are still in west virginia i'll be in uh radford Virginia attending Radford University and I don't know it's just it put good as fucking hippie as this sounds it just put good vibes into my life you know and it, it's translated to you know producing content on YouTube like I came home and I was like fuck yeah I'm I'm ex I'm inspired um I, I put together the video on uh we actually have the YouTube channel like we've mentioned it's just overtly casual you plug it in, it's got the same image that we have as our uh, our profile image on here. It has that image on YouTube, and I have two videos currently. There's the one of me surprising Tyler, and my favorite part about that video. So the, the surprise, it was recorded. It was recorded, but I think that I could have placed the camera better. So, uh, and the editing is a little choppy. The second video is uh, better editing. Um, it, it's of my home gym. It's how I built my, in the video, I say my $1,500 plus home gym for under $700. Realistically, uh, I forgot the rubber floors and a couple other pieces of auxiliary equipment. It's closer to a $2,000 gym that I built for just over $500. So um, it, I don't know. It's just a super inspirational thing. And like having those good vibes in your life, it's, it's what I needed, dude. Well, it's what I needed that's the whole premise of like this podcast and like bringing that positive energy to people. And like you said, as hippie as it may sound. So we've discussed this before, but that's the power of goal setting. So for me, like it works for me to set a goal in 13 week increments. And once I hit that goal after 13 weeks, dude, I ride that high into my next goal. And it's like a snowball effect until it's like just an avalanche of like accolades, success, you know, all of that, all of the good stuff that you want. And, and obviously, like, for me, like, a big thing that I learned in my last semester, last two semesters of college is that not everything has to be perfect. Like, you know, you don't have to pencil in everything. You don't have to dot your I's and cross your T's. You have plenty of time to do all of that stuff. Um, just work hard, be a good person, and continue, like, crushing your goals. And, you know, just like you just discussed, like, you'll stay motivated and inspired and ride that high into the next endeavor, whatever you choose to dedicate your time to. Yeah, man. Hopefully I ride this high into college. Um, I'm coming out the first week of July. I'm moving back to, or not back to, it's close to West Virginia, but I'm moving back East uh, to Radford. I don't know where I'm going to live yet, but I'm sure it'll be on the YouTube. I'm not going to give you my address, but <laughs> I'm going to give you my vicinity. Um, <clears throat> and like, I don't know, hopefully I carry it in the, into studying anthropology. Uh, it's something that, dude, I don't know if you remember this uh, back in high school. Do you remember the capstone project? Yeah, like I, the, I remember. What was it? Miss Faulkner? Something. Yeah, Princeton at Princeton High School. You had to do the capstone in English. Yeah, yeah, I did. I do remember that. Yeah. So, do you remember Didn't me doing my ghost hunting? Ghost hunting. I did. But do you know what I did first? And I was just talking to my wife about this. Um, do you remember my first uh, shot at it? What it actually was? I can't remember. Bro, it was on ancient civilizations, and it was. On the uh, admittedly kind of like out there uh, anthropology, but or archaeology rather, but it was on the ancient alien theory. Yeah, the and, ancient aliens, bro. 
Dude, Giorgio Sucolos, man. But, like, do you remember being a kid? And, like, I would have that on the TV every day, Channel 42. Uh, if, you're in, if you're in southern West Virginia, if you're in Princeton or Bluefield, um, shout out to the field. But if you're in Princeton or Bluefield, switch it to Channel 42. Catch up on your history. It pays off because, like, I remember learning about, like, Gobekli Tepe, which is a, a site that's located in modern-day Turkey that is over it's, it's over 10,000 years old i think they're estimating between 11 and 13,000 years old it's some of the oldest evidence of uh, agriculture ever found like it, this site is in the time that we thought it was pre-agriculture we thought they were just banging stones together in a cave but in reality they were building these giant monoliths but yeah so in my senior capstone project which in 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 america the 12th grade um is your final year of secondary school or high school is what we call it and so in my final year of high school i had to do this project and in west virginia in southern west virginia it was more of a an, an accepted topic for me to do my capstone project like i i gave the initial draft to the teachers I gave it to my teachers uh, and it was on ancient advanced civilizations and they're like, Oh, this isn't really believable. Nobody's going to bite on this. Like you're just speculating on speculation. And then I gave her a draft with regards to ghost hunting and they're like, Oh, this is great. Like, you know, we're talking about Beelzebub. Is that it? Beelzebub? It's like the old name for the devil. Um, But yeah, I was just laughing with my wife about that. How, how ridiculous that is. But yeah, dude, do you remember being a kid? Um, and me always saying, I was always like, I'm going to be an archeologist, but we ain't have no fucking money, dude. <laughs> but, yeah. So now my, now my college is paid for. Um, and I'm going to be studying archeology span and not that I'm going to be like that crazy dude. That's on the outside of anthropology. That's like ancient aliens, like, you know, the Aztecs and the Olmecs were influenced by aliens. No, I'm not going to do that. My wife is descendant from, uh, she's actually a direct descendant of Naya, Naya the Maya, I think, um, is the name of the young girl they found who was 13,000 years old. Uh, they found her in a cenote in the Yucatan Peninsula. And, uh, my wife is a direct descendant of her. So her genes have been in the Americas for, over 13,000 years. So my dream now, uh, coupled with what I was as a youngster, is to further expand on that through actual studies. Um, I have a good grasp of, a good grasp of Spanish. Uh, so maybe she and my son can travel with me, maybe go to Peru, um, and, and, you know, go across Mexico, Guatemala, see the Mayan, the Aztec, the Inca ruins. Like, it's going to be legit, man the next phase of this life yeah that's awesome sounds like uh sounds like an exciting adventure for sure are you uh, hey are you excited for tomorrow starting your new job um yeah i'm excited i'm kind of i don't know I, i don't really know what to expect starting a new career things can be there's a lot of ambiguity surrounding the situation obviously i've had an interview i've had follow ups I've talked to HR on a handful of occasions. This really nice woman named Danielle keeps calling me. Um, But they don't drop a ton of information, I don't guess. There's a lot of transparency surrounding what I'm going to be doing. But you never know your day-to-day until you're there. So I'm more curious than anything to see how this works out and see what it's like to uh, actually impact an organization. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm more excited than anything. I would not say nervous is the word. People keep asking me that. I'm not nervous at all. Um, I think that, you know, you study things enough. It, it's kind of like redundancy at this point. Like I've studied and I've studied and I've studied and I've studied and I've studied this and studied that. And I don't know everything and I don't even really know a lot, but I know I'm ready to try something. Dude, that's what I've approached everything in my military career is with like, okay, I was a little more, uh, I lied a little more than you did. Um, so like when, when I went to these new programs, this new training, 
uh, all this shit. And and every new opportunity that I got when people were like, oh, are you nervous? Um, the social cue was you should be nervous. So I went with it. But in reality, I approached everything with like, dude, I'm going to fucking crush this. You guys don't know me. You don't know where I'm from. You don't know what I'm capable of. You know, I approached everything with that mentality of just the sheer fact that I'm here is proof enough that I'm going to crush this too. Because the things that I've crushed in my past are nothing compared to this. And so Yeah, like, that's, that's me. Like, I look at this career like it's, I mean, I think that, you know, my job's going to be important. And I'm super excited to like feel needed in the workplace and, you know, no longer be an intern or a student worker or, or, you know, even just like a project manager, like I'm actually going to have uh, some kind of impact and be able to make, you know, be a part of the leadership team and contribute to different perspectives for the business that I'm working for. But at the same time, uh, a 40 hour work week is a lot different than what I'm used to. I'm used to a little more than that, but uh, I'm excited to use my time to delve back into personal growth and working on myself and consistently like improving my mental health and my physical health and all of that good stuff so that I can be even better at work and even better with my family, stuff like that. Those are things that I'm excited about and kind of like delving into hobbies because, you know, my, my last four years have been occupied by uh, being a leader in the fraternity, uh, maintaining a job, working anywhere from 25 to 45 to 50 hours a week and being a full-time student. Um, I know most semesters, I think majority of my college career, I had two jobs, but towards the end, I was able to slack off a little bit because I got scholarships that helped me out. But yeah, for me, like, I'm not going to say it's nothing because there's going to be a lot of challenges and a lot of new things that I'm not used to dealing with. And I'm definitely going to be uh, the least knowledgeable. I'm the new guy. So there's going to be a ton of challenges, but those are things that excite me. I'm not like afraid of it at all. Yeah, man, that's good to hear. I'm glad you're not like scared of it. I'm glad you're going to, um, it's, it's super fucking, uh, like Joe Rogan obsessive part of my personality is like being the hero of your own story. If you were in a movie right now, would the guy that you are, the guy that's playing you, would he be scared to start this 40 hour a week job? No, he wouldn't. He'd be, he'd be thinking about, he'd be crushing it as a leader. He'd be crushing it in your role. And then he'd also, after he gets finished at that work, he's working eight, 10 hours, maybe 12 hours a day. He's going to go down to that jujitsu gym that's right next to your house. And he's going to go get his ass kicked a couple times. And he's going to don that white belt and he's going to do it with pride. And then after a couple of years, he's going to don that next belt and then the next one. And then the next one, the next thing, you know, 40 years down the road, you got your black belt, maybe not 40 years. Um, but you know, X number of years down the road. Now you're the guy donning the black belt. You're, you're the CEO, you're the VP, you're something of you, you know, you mean something. You're the hero of your own story. But yeah, well, that's, that's just validation that you've been aiming in the right direction. And for me, I don't need affirmations. I don't really need validation. I don't know. I, yeah, I need validation. I don't know about affirmations, but um, I definitely need validation. But with that being said, there is something powerful about sticking with things to the end. And I've always been able to see the end for me. Um, high school, I could see the end because senior year was the end after I graduated college, senior year was the end. So for me in college, my main goal was like, Hey man, like pick something and stick to it. So having the satisfaction to not only graduate and, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I graduated with honors. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know, something, something cool, but, um, pretty sure I did that. So I made a commitment to myself my freshman year, like, hey, I'm going to stick with this academic thing. And it sucked. I made a lot of sacrifices. It's not as hard as what people with their sob stories uh, make it out to be. It was a little bit of work, you know, a little bit of dedication, a little bit of late nights, things like that. Nothing crazy. Um, so 
with a little bit of sacrifice, I did that. But not only that, my extracurricular activities. There were times where I questioned myself and didn't want to continue on with the fraternity. But now I have the eternal satisfaction that I didn't quit and that I didn't give up and that people, uh, when they needed me, I was there. So that kind of stuff sticks with you. There's something to be said about perseverance and not being the hero and being the best or being that, but just, just persevering. That is to me, the most heroic thing that you can do because did I crush it every single day? No, I didn't, but I was there and, uh, you know, I did, I did what I felt was best and I did push myself and some days I pushed myself till I had nothing left, but some days I didn't have a lot to give. So I had to dig a little deeper and I suck some days and I wasn't there for people or I missed this or missed that. But ultimately I persevered and that's why I'm here. Some inspirational shit, man. Yeah. Some it's heavy. <laughs> it's heavy. Yeah. That's good. Hopefully you carry that into your uh, next endeavor at United. Um, that's going to be legit. Are you going to tell people you work with about the podcast? I wouldn't do it on the first day. No, okay. actually my goal. Um, I don't know if anyone who listens has noticed, but I deactivated my Facebook. I don't use my Instagram. I deleted the app. I posted a picture the other day just to give people an update that I moved or something. I just said, I moved here for work. I like this place. That's all I said. Um, you know, I have some friends on there that I'm connected to solely through social media. So I thought it would be a nice thing to do. Uh, and I use Twitter for MMA solely. My aim with work is, have, have you ever watched The Office? Yeah. You know how Charles, how he has like that, like fuck off attitude and he's not rude. He's just a professional. Like he doesn't like, he doesn't want to hang out with you after work. He doesn't want to, and I'm not against it. I'm not opposing it. I'm not fighting personal relationships with people, but my goal is to keep my personal life as far away from work as I can. If that makes sense. You're aiming to be Idris Elba. I don't know who that is. The guy that plays Charles. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, uh, no, I'm not aiming to be him. I like I, I don't know why. This is weird that you even have respect and admiration for specific characters. But everything that I've learned about like organizational behavior and, you know, not only through research, but particularly throughout my work experience I became a very polarizing figure in my past work, uh, my past work life, because I, I let my personal life spill over a little bit too much. I talked on the phone with people about personal things while I'm at work. You know, I acted unprofessionally myself, but other people handled it in a very unprofessional manner, or they dug deep into my life on social media and things like that. Um, people are not all kind and intellectual and respectful. Some people are dipshits and infectious and aiming to drag you down as far as they can and drown you until you cannot uh, succeed. There are people out there. I don't care what anyone says about, oh, don't make excuses. There are people who are just aiming to destroy you. So essentially for me, I want to take anyone who's like that ammunition away. And I'm not saying that I'm desirable or that people, I have something that people want. But people get jealous and envious, and that gives them enough motive to completely shit on you. And with my goals to move forward and be the man, you know, people are going to be jealous and envious along the way. And if I give them that ammunition through exposing my personal life to these people, I'm up shit creek, and I don't want to do that, particularly yeah. with the podcast yeah. and, like, you know, me – discussing personal things you know yeah dude i actually um i i saw this in my military career i kept everything separate like i was a completely different person um which is arguably the right thing to do in the military like when i'm at work it's staff sergeant alexander right um but when i'm at home it's dak you know um and and those two people are completely different those two people are, you know, Staff Sergeant Alexander, that is the uh, upstanding dude that's like super squared away that, 
you know, is the not necessarily the rule follower, but I know all the rules. Um, I'm going to guide you. I'm going to guide you in the right direction every single time. Anything you put in front of me, I'm going to crush. It was to the point to where uh, I had a commander who looked at me and we were having a personal conversation in his office, door closed, and he was going to refer to himself by his first name. And in the military, like first name is first name is legit. Um, you, in the cockpit, it's typically always first name or you're, call, you're either called by your first name or you're called by your duty position. Uh, but this gentleman, he, we were, weren't in the cockpit. He wanted to refer to himself as his name. I won't say it here. Um, but he's like, Hey, I would call myself, I'm going to give him a fictional name. Um, his fictional name is Bob. Right. So he says, uh, I would call myself Bob right now, but I know that you probably have a fit. And in reality, so my DAC part of DAC part of my brain is like, dude, you don't know fucking shit about me. Like, I don't give a shit if you call yourself Bob, Robert, Dick, Richard. I don't give a fuck, right? But then there was the Staff Sergeant Alexander portion that's, you know, talking to this Lieutenant Colonel that, like, it's like, oh, okay, check, sir. That's dope. Like, um, that obviously didn't say that's dope. But it, it, it you can find great success because I am leaving the military, but, like, it's leaving like a very good, a very good, I have nothing held against the military, nothing held against my current and soon to be former profession. But yeah, dude, you, you well, separate your, work and your life and it, it can create opportunities that may not be there because, because we say fuck, because we say shit, damn ass titties, all that shit on this podcast. Um, it may cause uh, maybe a little bit of ruckus where there, a trip comes up and they're like, uh, who are we going to send? Maybe your name doesn't come up because they're like, oh, he said tits on his podcast. And well, I, there, no re- I, I, I acknowledge that. And like they're especially with like how things are polarized today. Like if you curse, you may be identified by with a political party or something like that. Like that is how deeply polarized we are becoming. So I understand uh, why companies don't want to affiliate with people who put them on a spectrum, right? Because once you become an employee of a company, particularly on the leadership team, you should assume the responsibilities at all time to represent that company. Now, that doesn't mean that they can strip you of your individualism and the things that make you you. But I don't know. I feel like this is kind of a company man perspective and that's kind of something that I want to identify with because I ultimately my main goal is to uh, maximize shareholder wealth and improve the bottom line for the company through my different decisions, tactics and process improvements and whatever I can do. Obviously I'm not going to do all these drastic things in my first year in my career. That's my lifetime goal with this company and whatever company I may end up with. But with that company man perspective also comes the responsibility to be a good representation of the company and professionalism. So for me, it's particularly important to to maintain a higher standard for myself. Yeah, dude. And it makes sense. It's not, I love the idea of a company man because um, one, it gives the, the folks that hired you, it gives them a set, standard that like you've demonstrated some excellence to them. Right. Um, but being a company man doesn't necessarily mean towing the line with everything your superiors say, being a company man is towing the line with growth in the company. So if you have a superior that's saying some dumb shit, you bring it up and in a respectful way and in a way that is problem solving in its own nature, you know, you're not presenting a problem without a solution. When someone says some dumb shit, you bring them the problem. You say, hey, here's why that was dumb. Here's the fix to that. Here's what I think you meant. Here's what I think you were getting at. And here's how to achieve what you were getting at. You know what I mean? For sure, yeah. Um, yeah. Company man gets a lot of de- derogatory statements. Yeah, I agree with that completely. But yeah, man, Like now that we've like spun the listeners up on our lifestyle and the, and the changes that have came, we plugged the YouTube uh, just go into YouTube right now. If you're listening to this, go to YouTube, plug in overtly casual, uh, go ahead and watch the first video, which is under five minutes. I think, um, it was me surprising Tyler. It was the words of affirmation that came 
uh, from both our friends, our family. Um, you get to see uh, Doi, who is our friend from Vietnam. Uh, he's currently in Vietnam right now. Hopefully, Doi, you're listening. But you get to see him climb on a duck and skate his way across a pool. Um, it, it, it's a fun video. That video is mostly for our uh, in the future, our uh, enjoyment like those are memories that we're going to have saved forever uh, just with a little GoPro. The second video that's on there is going to be my home gym and how I built it on the cheap. It's close to two thousand dollars worth of equipment that I got for under seven hundred bucks. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so we've plugged the YouTube, we've caught the guys up on our lifestyle. Oh shit, wait, one more thing about my lifestyle. Uh, the next video on YouTube is going to be uh, at least the next in the next three videos on YouTube. I'm going to cover my preparation for my upcoming comedy debut. Um, it's going to be a show here in my town, Clovis, uh, May 31st at the uh, corner of Clovis, Maine. I don't know. I can't remember the venue, but it's a sold out show. 200 people in attendance. I'm the opening act. Uh, it's my first time ever on stage. So either I'm going to bomb super hard or this is going to go really well. But my first time on stage, I'm going to film the lead up. The show itself is going to be professionally recorded. The show, uh, the headliner is Troy D. And it's a charity benefit show. Uh, it's called Anxiety Blows. So uh, a couple bits in there about anxiety, some bits about marrying into a Latino culture, Mary, or uh, you know, raising a son, uh, growing up in West Virginia. I've got I've got a couple good bits that I think I've got worked out. But as with everything, I may black out when I get up there. So who knows? Um, but yeah, okay, cool. Lifestyle is updated. YouTube is plugged. Let's dive into some MMA, dude. For the MMA listeners, um, let's just talk real quick. Yesterday, you gave me a breakdown. You said something about Kevin Lee that. I was like, damn, that's some real shit. Do you remember what you said? Yeah, I mean, kind of. I guess I can just share my opinions on Kevin Lee. Like, I personally am a huge fan of Kevin Lee. Like, he represents to me, like, kind of like the ideal normal person coming into MMA. And this is just assessing his personality first. This fighting comes next. But, like, the way that he sells a fight, he's a very normal person. He kind of comes off corny sometimes, but then he also comes off as being like kind of badass. So I don't know. I, that's why I like Kevin Lee. I'm a fan of him. I think he's cool. But, um, and he's blatantly honest. Like that video last night after the fight. Wow. If you haven't seen that, go watch it. Super raw makes you kind of empathize with fighters and feel them on a different level and all the emotions that they have tied into that. Um, but yeah, onto his fighting He, to, in my opinion is like almost the best fighter in the UFC. He like, shows the skills and he is just as well-rounded as about anyone else. I mean, he, some dude told me on Twitter the other day that Tony Ferguson sucked or something like that. That guy's a dipshit, but he like gave Tony Ferguson everything that he could take, but didn't get the finish. Uh, had, had Tony Ferguson tied him in a submission. I think he hit him with a head kick and knocked him down. Even at one point, um, gave him everything he could take last night. He pushed RDA to the brink, and RDA is known for his cardio, so outlasted him there at the end. He does, like, incredible things in fights that shows you just how good he is, but sometimes he just doesn't get the finish, and that shows you the nature of MMA. So, like, for me, stylistically, I saw a tweet where they're like, oh, and this Kevin Lee is the guy that you guys said would beat Habib. And, like, in my honest opinion, I think – in the lightweight division, he has the best chance at beating Habib still besides Tony Ferguson, my opinion. opinion. But, yeah, like I said, in summary, in Toto, he is almost the best fighter in the UFC. Like, he's just missing these chances. Every single fight that Kevin Lee has, he is almost the best fighter in the UFC. I couldn't agree more, dude. I watched his uh, interview with the Schmo. Are you a follower of the Schmo? Uh, no, I actually haven't followed or checked that out. I'll check it out. Dude, you gotta, fuck, you gotta look up, uh, go to YouTube after this and look up, it's, uh, T-H-E space S-C-H-M-O, and it's the pro and the schmo, and it's this dude, he's this young guy, he started out making football videos, and, 
I don't know how he broke into MMA, but at some point he broke into mixed martial arts a couple of years ago, started, he assumed a personality. If you watch his early videos, he was just a normal dude, uh, college kid that was making videos, like funny videos about the NFL. And then at one point he assumed the, the identity of the schmo. And it's basically like his interview with Kevin Lee is gold. Uh, he did one with Polly Malinaji. That one's not as good because him and Polly Malinaji, like Polly's a little bit of a dick. And uh, so he and Polly Malinaji, they kind of clashed a little bit. But um, yeah, the Schmo, uh, I watched that one. I haven't seen his post fight interview yet because I jumped straight from Kevin Lee versus RDA to uh, Deontay Wilder versus Brazil. We'll talk about uh, that. But I, I just got to lay some closing remarks. I love Kevin Lee. Like, I can't believe that MMA Twitter, the scummiest place on Twitter, fucking dirtbags, um, completely just crap on Kevin Lee. And even, like, come on, dude, Tony Ferguson, this dude really got on there. Like, some, I don't even know, like, some, like, fat dude chilling on his couch posted on twitter like this is what gets me about mma twitter too like i love being a part of the community and trust me like i'm not hopping into a cage and fighting and getting brain damage for other people's entertainment either and that's not knocking fighters who do i think that they're incredible and have this mental fortitude that i clearly don't have because i don't i didn't pursue that as a career but these there's these people that hop on the couch like some fat ass in minnesota is on the couch saying tony ferguson's resume isn't that impressive like I really argued with someone on there about that. And I'm like, dude, really? Like, did you just say that? And then I was like, he fought, he beat Kevin Lee. He finished four of his last five fights and he's beat like some of the top guys in, in the division, like, to, like killed him. And he's like, really? Kevin Lee, you think he's a killer question mark? And I was like, dude, Oh yeah. This man, this man said that, uh, Pettis wasn't a killer, didn't he? Yes, what a dork. Like, that's all I can think. Like, whenever I watch MMA Twitter, it's good to sit there and, you know, we, we have a couple of drinks, we chop it up. You know, I know my place, dude. Like, I, I really am very careful with the vocabulary that I choose to use when discussing some of the baddest people on the planet. I never refer to any of them as not being killers or anything like that. I say their performance wasn't that impressive. Or something like that. I never said, like, this person sucks or this, 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 all that stuff. This dude really said, like, alluding to Tony Ferguson being hyped, that his resume wasn't impressive and that Kevin Lee and Pettis were not killers. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, dude, what do they call it? Like an armchair jockey or something like that? I was like, dude, I was like, go home. Go home. You're drunk. You're an idiot. You got 3,000 followers and now you think that you're an MMA grappling aficionado however you say it i don't even know if that's how you say it but whatever yeah i got the tweets pulled up right now and it's it's about like uh quite frankly tony ferguson's resume isn't that impressive ty goes what are you saying right now scared face emoji <laughs> and the guy goes his resume isn't that impressive i can't put it any simpler so he's treating you like you're an idiot ty like how could you even look at Pettis, Lee, or Venata as if they're not killers? You know what I mean? Uh, but, yeah, dude, like, I, I agree to, to an extent. I got to defend MMA Twitter right now. MMA Twitter is my shit. I love those people. I love MMA Twitter. There are a couple things that slip through. Um, there are a couple shitty opinions that slip through. Even like the individual you're talking about, that was one of the first guys I followed on MMA Twitter, and he's given some great takes. But again, as I grow and as I, as I see more of a developed opinion, you start to weed out the guys that are, you know, less than up to par when it comes to, uh, you know, hitting the mark with their comments on MMA Twitter. So, yes, you have an MMA Twitter brief. But I think you just need to expose yourself to more of it. And then you're going to be like, oh, fuck, these guys are awesome. Because a well, lot of. I, I don't. And that's something that I'm very diligent about. I know that on Twitter, you can expose yourself to only ideology, ideology, whatever. Um, only like ideas and stuff that 
favor your opinion. So I am very diligent about like exposing myself to things that I don't like. So I don't really care when people post things that I don't like. I don't get butt hurt about it. But what does get me about that environment is just like I love going on there and I love to see people who have been in a cage commentating. Paul Felder, again, one of the best commentators. Like I love to see that stuff. But then I see some douche on there just like tearing people down who are hopping into the cage. And I get it. That's the nature of like Twitter and sharing their opinions and things like that. But I'm just like. You you are some like you've never grappled, you've never done combat sports in any capacity. Like, how, where's your evaluation coming from? Like, where's your credibility? And sometimes really great analysts never did the sport before. But when you're making ignorant claims like Tony Ferguson's resume isn't impressive, like dude, just just close, delete your Twitter, just delete it. That's what I want to say to that guy. Just delete it because you just lost all credibility. Yeah, I agree, man. Like, if you haven't done it, and I think we've both made really um, strong efforts to not speak a certain way about fighters. Um, we've made every, every, um, how do I say this? We've made every attempt possible to give these guys, if you're getting in the cage and you are fighting for your life, because that's what they're doing. They're fighting for their life. They're fight like their career brings the money. The money buys the food and pays the roof over their house. So they're fighting for their lives, their family's lives. Like if you're getting in there, all the respect due, right? And some of MMA Twitter gets a little out of hand, especially when they get a couple thousand followers and now they feel like they can just make any offhand comment. And not that it's off limits. It's definitely not off limits. But at a certain point, you have to toss your hands up and be like, hey, man, that comment was fucking stupid, you know? Well, just like those people make me, uh, I don't know, dude. It gives me some sort of feeling. Like I really, I don't know. I don't know. I would really love to see this incredibly out of shape, like typical UFC fan, like beer drinking, fat white dude, like, like pretty, pretty indicative. No, 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 no. The dude that I was arguing with was white, I think. But anyways, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Like I'm saying like, this is a stereotype that I'm discussing. Not. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is like the stereotype. Actually, like, this is like, something that boxing people created i heard joe rogan talking about this that only fat uh, white drunk people like ufc or something like that but anyways that's for another time i just thought that 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 was kind of like a funny comparison that this person is kind of fitting that stereotype and a lot of times like you see these people who don't have pictures of themselves with that which i think is cool like that's that's another cool part of the conversation is that like your Twitter's not about you. You're not identifying with it. But that also, Joe Rogan talks a lot about this. That gives you the legitimacy to just go in there and be whoever you want. And you're a big killer on the internet. And like, you're going to say this, but I would love, all I want to see, I don't want to see Tony Ferguson hurt them or give them brain damage, but I want to see them grapple him and he can only use his legs and they can use their arms and ch- probably chase him with a sledgehammer and he'd break their neck. Like, I would like to see that. Yeah, I'd, I'd just like to see him in a stare down with Tony Ferguson because El Kikui is, you know, in the creepiest way, a scary individual. Yeah, and like not only that, why would you say, like, I'm careful with the, the words that I use, period, just because, like, like, I have a lot of respect for the game. I have a lot of respect for the people that are in the game, all of them, even, like, down to, like, the amateur level, like, people that are hopping in there. It takes a different kind of savage. Because, you know, like, I, I never actually fought, but sparred a lot. And it takes it takes a lot of guts to get your ass whooped. And it takes a lot of guts to kick someone's ass. So I really respect it on a different level. But I don't know, dude. Like, social media gives these dorks the freedom to go on there and say whatever they want with no consequence. And it's, like, how I try to look at things before I tweet it or post on social media. is like, would you really say that to that person's face? Like, And that also makes you think, like, not only am I going to, like, like, get my ass whooped, like, not only those kind of consequences, but, like, am I going to hurt this person's feelings? So that's why I decided, okay, I'm not going to say you fat dork loser, like, you know, whatever it is that I wanted to say, those impulses, because, like, 
there's consequences. I don't want to hurt that person's feelings. That's stupid. So, yeah, long drug out, drug out rant, but essentially uh, those people are just corny. Dude, I had a really weird interaction with someone off of MMA Twitter. I posted a video, um, like an excerpt of the, my latest YouTube video, and I posted this video, and my son is in the video. And he's a year and a half, and he comes running up, and he hits the heavy bag while I'm doing shoulder press, right? <clears throat> it was the gym video that I posted. And this dude from MMA Twitter that I have on there, like, this fool, he comments, and, and I'll bring up the Twitter post right now, but I would posted, like, something along the lines of, uh, I had someone join me today in the gym. Okay, here, I have it right here. Someone joined me this morning for my workout, the next at Notorious MMA, which is Conor McGregor. So I said, the next Conor McGregor in 20 years, haha. Hashtag MMA Twitter, hashtag UFC. And so my son's running up and he has my wife's boxing glove on and he punches my Everlast bag in the video. And this fool, he commented, I have him blocked now, but he comments and he's like, oh, so you want your son to be a fucking piece of shit? What the fuck? And I'm like, dude, okay, first off, super weird question. Second off, we're all trying to get ours, right? Like, I'm a huge fan of Conor McGregor. He's just trying to get his. Yes, he's made some offhand comments, whatever. He's just trying to get his. That's what he's always been about. He told fucking uh, Jose Aldo that he was going to, like, we're at a different time. He'd ride into his favela on horseback and behead every man, woman, and child that wasn't fit to work. And people loved him for it. But he makes a towel comment, and I get it. It was fucking, it, it was offhand, it was wrong, blah, blah, blah. But it was com- it was comedy. At its truest, simplest form, it was comedy. And anyway, this dude, he comments, he's like, oh, you're going to compare your son to a fucking piece of shit? And I said, hey, dude, super weird question. Also, he's trying to get his. He goes, yeah, but you co- you compared your son to a literal, well, you want your son to be a, a literal fucking douchebag? And I was like, okay, again, I would concern myself less with people who have no impact on my life and more with not asking super weird questions on Twitter. And then I ended up blocking him before I said, listen here, you fucking cunt. Why don't I find out where you live, come to your house and fucking murder you. Right? Like, so there's a, there's a certain element of, uh, I don't know. There's a certain, certain element of restricting. That's why your- you shouldn't say things like not even, I mean, that's why people don't post their kids on the internet because I'm looking at this dork right now, and, like, again, he's one of those guys. He's not in his picture because he's probably – well, let's not even say probably. He's definitely just some dork, like some loser, and he just goes on here, and he can say whatever he wants because in real life he's a coward because he can't say real things to people in his life. So he has to go on here and uh, and feed negativity into the world because he's not able – to do that in the real world. He's not man enough to tell someone, you know, how he really feels or anything like that. But Talking again, I'm not kid. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't even get, I wouldn't even give attention to that or a platform for that kind of negativity. Cause they're just stupid. Even asking it. That's why I had to block the dude. Because like, even I would never ask someone, even if we're talking, I would never ask someone about their, like, it's just weird to bring, children and like a comparison i don't know maybe i'm being a bitch about it but it's weird to bring children into it, especially a baby like and and it's just a cute video of my son punching so that is the very dark side of mma twitter my overall my overarching statements are in mma twitter because i've got nothing but amazing support from these guys uh a lot of those guys support the podcast a lot of guys support the youtube um yeah, so uh, MMA Twitter, love you. Even though my brother's still trying to figure out like what you're about, you know? still sifting through the shit. That is some of the you know the dudes that come in with, you know, they watch fucking Robbie Lawler fight one time, and all of a sudden they're like, dude, I get angry when I fight. You know, I'm unstoppable. <laughs> I'm just like Robbie Lawler, dude. Like. Yeah, so my brother, he's weeding through the shit right now. He's sifting through the shit right now. That is the worst version of MMA Twitter. But, uh, yeah, MMA Twitter, we love you. That is the overarching statement right there. We love you, even though there are some cocksuckers out there. And the Joey D, the most Joey D 
cocksucking give you fucking cocksuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. What do you think about uh, Deontay Wilder knocking the shit out of I don't know. What's there to think? I mean, like, I turned the fight on, watched it for 30 seconds, I plugged you up on that illegal stream, and boom, knocked out. <laughs> what the fuck? How, how good is Tyson Fury? I thought Tyson won that fight. Yeah, I had Tyson winning that fight. I had him winning, like, more than the majority of rounds. I mean, he, he won, like, like I don't know, like 10 rounds out of that fight. But, um, yeah, that's that's a good conversation to be had after we watch Tyson fight again. I think that that's something that we need to discuss, like, further once we see him match up with someone else. But, yeah, that does make you wonder, like, Jesus Christ, what kind of animal is Tyson Fury to be in there and not have only taken – a punch from someone who does have some ungodly power. Like, I referred to him as being the LeBron James of boxing, and he is the closest thing to being that athletic freak that I think that the world has probably ever seen in boxing. Um, yeah, it, I, I really don't know. I have no opinion. I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I was just like, wow. Do you want to see him run back with Tyson even more now, or would you rather see him fight Joshua? I played this out last night for somebody. Um, what I want to see happen is I want to see um, Joshua and Wilder fight. And in my opinion, I think Wilder makes easy work out of him. I think that, I mean, this is an unpopular opinion, but I think he knocks him out and like hurts him. You know what I mean? Like does what he did to that dude last night. Um, I think that he would knock him out and that would build – Tyson Fury versus him as being like the biggest boxing fight since I don't I mean I really don't even know what to compare it to it'd be massive though because Joshua has such a following in uh, his home country but then again Tyson Fury has a huge following there too but if Wilder can ride the wave of having defeated you know that the reigning champ you know the Under Armour sponsored Anthony Joshua then he's riding a serious wave coming in to fight another person from England, right? Tyson Fury's from England, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's from He's a gypsy king, baby. Yeah. But, uh, oh, okay, so enough about boxing. Uh, that's really all I care about. Uh, if it's not Mayweather McGregor, if it's not Tyson Fury or uh, Wilder fighting, I really don't give a shit. Just because we weren't raised in boxing, we were raised by UFC, um, yeah, give us the big name fights or give us nothing at all when it comes to boxing. Um, the next thing I want to chat to you about before we sign off is the pound-for-pound pound rankings. Not necessarily broken down person by person. More so, do you think that Jessica Andrade deserves to be on the – I think she's ranked 15th. Do you think she deserves to be ranked 15th on the UFC pound-for-pound pound greatest fall time? I mean, I don't think so. I think that she was, like, getting beat in that fight anyways. Uh, I think that it was, like, a strategic error, and I think, like, Rose's heart just wasn't in it. I just relate that. Like, if DC goes out and gets beat by, uh, I don't know, just some strange heavyweight, like Curtis Blades, that's a poor matchup for him. He's bigger than him. He's a good wrestler. I mean, I'm not saying that he would beat DC, but Curtis Blades beat him. Do you make him the pound-for-pound goat? Like, are you not considering the fact that Daniel was at the end of his career? Like, are you ranking prom Daniel as pound for pound up there? Like, what are you doing? You know, like I just, I mean, there's no clarity on that. Yeah. It's super weird that Andrade is ranked after all, like all things considered, she was getting dismantled that entire fight and she did dump her on her head. Now in the first and second round, we saw, two attempts to dump exactly the same way. We saw it at least on two times before. Now, I'm working off memory. I've only watched the fight once, and I watched it live. And I was sitting there, and we were at the same party. This was when I was in West Virginia. We were at a party, and we were watching it. And I was watching it, and I was seeing Rose Namahunas tear her up. And Thug Rose was just giving her the business in every way, shape, and form. She was running the sub while uh, Andraz was shooting the, the takedown and she was trying to dump her, Rose was running the submission. I think she got a little too caught up um, after the third, I think it was the third or fourth 
uh, dump that she did, that Andrade did, that Rose actually got knocked out on. Yeah, I don't think that ranks her as one of the top 15 fighters all time. But a huge people in the UFC right now. I got to figure out who they mean. Is that the top 15 pound for pound right now? Or is that the top 15 greatest of all time? Right? Like, I need to dig a little deeper. I need to see a little more. Because even if you say top 15 right now, no. Andrade is still not on there. Uh, I think that there's a weird thing. The only real female that I – the only chicks that I can think of that deserve to be in the top 15 pound for pound of all time. And and really, I'm reaching for two. One, Amanda Nunez. Amanda Nunez absolutely deserves to be on there somewhere. I can't tell you where. I can't give you an honest opinion about where. Um, but if it's not her, then maybe, possibly – potentially cyborg, right? We're, we're talking about holistic career, um, you know, uh, you know, de- the wins they've acquired, the people they've beaten, uh, definitely Amanda, possibly cyborg. Now, before Amanda Nunez, it was definitely cyborg, possibly Amanda. But after that fight, we saw just how fucking good Amanda Nunez is. And I don't think anybody's beaten her anytime soon. We've said times on this podcast before, UFC is missing out on promoting Amanda Nunez because a lot of people still have no idea who the Lioness is, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think that, I mean, particularly the fact that she has, like, one of the most – I was trying to describe Brazil's, like, how they're patriotic about fighting. Like, I don't know. Like, you could describe being patriotic in a lot of different ways. Like, patriotic is, like, you know, like they're – they are enthusiastic about war and different things like that. Those people are enthusiastic about fighting. So I think that if they push her, particularly in her home country, which I don't know what their marketing strategy is there, maybe they're dumping money into her, but it's not, it may not be taking hold because political factors, maybe because she's a lesbian. I don't know how that's taken where she's from, but, um, yeah, I, I really don't know, dude. Like, she's an incredible fighter, and to me, she should be pushed because, again, she's one of the greats. Yeah, man. Um, I would describe Brazil's following of fighting as a whole, and I'm talking the entirety of mixed martial arts. Um, it's a cult following. There they have a cult following of fighting, um, and they UFC needs to push her more in America, um, <laughs> more in – I, I don't even care how she's marketed in Brazil. Like I'm not seeing enough of, of Amanda Nunez in America. You know, I'm not seeing her when I was, when we were in Vegas, how many fucking, I think we saw more BJ Penn uh, billboards than we saw Amanda Nunez. And I'm telling you zero Amanda Nunez, possibly one or two BJ Penn billboards. And it's like, come on, UFC, what are you doing? You Dana, listen, Dana, fix it. <laughs> you know, yeah, kind of surprising uh, how how little the UFC advertises in Vegas. But what do I know about marketing? They just gave me a bachelor's of science in it. So hey, boy, you think you're smart now? Huh? Definitely not. But on that note, Jessica Andrade is, in my opinion, I don't I don't know. That may be a, a little bit of a reach to put her in the top fifteen. She may get there, but that, that may be a reach. Hell yeah. Um, I'm gonna, to close this out, first off, I agree. Andrade does not deserve to be on the top 15 pound-for-pound pound fighters list. It's the 15th position. Uh, also with that, or, or, or to close it out, rather, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. I want you to send it at me as fast as you can. Um, this relates to an upcoming fight. We've talked about this guy multiple times on this podcast. Um, we talked about him today. Uh, are you ready for the questions? Yeah. Uh, Tony Ferguson versus Donald Cerrone. Who wins? Mm, Tony Ferguson submission. Okay. You answer my other question. What round? Three. Round three? No, two, two, two. Two? two. Okay. 
Yeah. And then the final question was going to be about what, uh, you know, in what capacity. So you got Tony Ferguson, second round by submission. I have Donald Cerrone, second round by KO. Um, I'm lying, not second round. Donald Cerrone, third round by knockout. Yeah, yeah. No, if Donald wins the fight, he, he's stretching it out, dude. He's playing. He's keeping his reach. He, he's playing the damage game with those jabs on Tony. But I'm telling you, dude. He's not going to go out like that. He's going to – that fight will go to the ground. Everyone was like, Alakinta's going to take him to the ground. I didn't really see it playing out like that. I thought Alakinta was going to win, but standing up, Cerrone's definitely fighting like a lion. But I see – Tony's got – Papa Cowboy ain't nothing to fuck with. Yeah, but El Kakui, boy. Yeah, man. It's a, it's going to be a great fight. I think it's one of the best fights of the year so far. Um, I think personally – Late in the rounds, if not championship rounds, at least by the third round, uh, Donald Cerrone gets a, gets a KO. Uh, I do not, however, think it's going to be a walk-off knockout. I think it's going to be a TKO. We'll see how it plays out. But, uh, you know, thanks for joining me on this. When's our next podcast going to be? You have to commit right now so our listeners know that you're in. Wednesday. Wednesday? Wednesday. Okay, Wednesday it is. Um, yeah, it was good, good to be back. Good to be on here with you. We're at, you know, a little over an hour, close to an hour and 15 minutes. Do you have any parting shots for, for the Okaj mob? Uh, no, man. Good shot. Uh, stay tuned for more. We're going to bring back some good content and I'll keep you guys updated on the work life and how it's going. And a boy. Well, we'll see you Wednesday. And for the Okaj mob out there, uh, this has been Overtly Casual, hosted by myself, Dak, and my brother, Tyler. See ya!